Hello, Janesville, and welcome to the Park Place Podcast, the new monthly program that aims to keep Janesville residents informed by highlighting the people, places, and partners of the city of Janesville in an audio format. This program is brought to you by the city of Janesville and JTV Media Services. I'm your host, Nick Faust, and I'm the communications specialist in the city manager's office. A video version of this podcast is available in the form of the January 2022 episode of the Park Place Views program. In last month's episode, we welcomed Shelley Slaypack, the city's recreation director. As we move into winter time here in Wisconsin's Park Place, Director Slaypack helped us learn more about everything the recreation division has in store for the community. If you are interested in viewing that episode or any past episode of Park Place Views, they're all available to watch on demand on the city's website and JTV's YouTube channel. Today I'm looking forward to being joined by Kelly Bedesum, the city's housing services director. As the city works to ensure that all of our neighbors have access to safe, affordable housing, it's terrific to have Director Bedesum on the program today to speak more about those efforts. But first, a little more about Director Bedesum. Kelly has been with the city since 2001 when she was hired as a full-time property maintenance specialist. In 2005, she was promoted to building and development specialist, and again in 2008 when she became neighborhood development specialist. Kelly came into her current role in 2018 when she was named Housing Services Director. Kelly holds a bachelor's degree in sociology from the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. She's a graduate of the Janesville Leadership Development Academy, a certified public manager graduate, and serves on the board of directors for the United Way Blackhawk region. Thanks for joining us today, Kelly. Thanks. Well, before we get started, I just thought I'd give you maybe a little chance to tell the community a bit more about yourself. So I think you covered a lot, um, <laughs> but I'm a lifelong Janesville resident. I was born at Mercy Hospital, graduated from Greg High School, so with the exception of a few years um, where my husband was military at the time, mm -hmm. um, I've been in Janesville for my entire life. And as you mentioned, um, I've served in a variety of roles at the city of Janesville, yeah. and then most recently I've also served as a director of our emergency operations center oh. um, to make sure that we have safe employees so that we continue yeah. to provide municipal services. Imperative over the last year with, with the pandemic and the, as the city navigated through all the intricacies of that. It's been a lot of work. Yeah, I bet <laughs> it has. Well, Kelly, if, if someone's unfamiliar with the Housing Services Division, uh, they may think of you know one or two programs, rent assistance, property maintenance, but we know housing is so much more than just one program. What are all the, the services the division offers? So we have four separate programs within um, housing services. So as you mentioned, we have the rental assistance program, commonly referred to as Section 8. Um, we also have property maintenance, which is um, a series of inspections that we would do mostly based on complaints um, to make sure that our housing stock um, and the city as a whole is being maintained. We also administer a state and federal grants program. Um, that's a variety of different grants that we administer, um, primarily community block grant development dollars, as well as home investment partnership dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, we receive an annual allocation of both of those grants. Um, and then lastly, we have a vacant building program. Um, all vacant buildings in the city of Janesville are required to be registered with a local property manager. Lots of lots of programs and lots of things that go into making sure, as you as you alluded to, that our properties in the city are maintained safe and healthy for the community. If we maybe then Kelly talk a little more about the rent assistance program or Section Eight, as you said, commonly known. Mm -hmm. 
how would you explain all the work that that program does and how does it benefit participants in Janesville? Sure, so we serve about 500 households wow. in the city of Janesville. Um, by serve, I mean we pay a portion of their rent. Mm -hmm. um, all of those households are required to pay 30% of their income towards their rent, mm -hmm. and then the city would pick up the difference. Yeah. Um, we pay that difference directly to landlords. Um, on a monthly basis, we distribute about $200,000 towards rent within the city of Janesville. Wow. Um, so it's a pretty, pretty impactful economic um, mm -hmm. investment every yeah. single month. Um, with that rental assistance program, we also have an inspection component. So all of the units that our clients live in must be inspected at least annually, mm -hmm. or at least biannually, I, I take that back, um, to make sure that they're decent, safe, and sanitary. Yeah. Um, so we do that inspection. Um, all of our Section 8 clients are screened um, initially when they come on our program for things like criminal behavior, um, uh, drug use, um, and those are screened out. So they're not allowed to participate in our program, and those are, those are federal guidelines. Yeah. Um, and then, um, like I said, we pay, we pay a portion of their rent for them on a monthly basis. Wow, yeah, and really an important program as we think about, you know, welcoming all in our community and making sure everyone does have that safe and affordable housing. Mm -hmm. And in your role, Kelly, as Housing uh, Services Director, I know that one of the things you've done is evaluate that program uh, in the interest of efficiency and and made sure that it can most effectively serve its clients. What, what changes has the division maybe made over the years to maximize the positive impact of the program? So we're always looking for efficiencies in that program. Um, our City of Janesville administrative plan mm -hmm. is kind of the framework for how we administer our program, and we have the ability to make changes to that. Yeah. So we've done a few things um, over the years. Um, our clients are no longer required to come in and let us know when they've got a raise in their employment. And right. so essentially they're allowed to, to keep that difference um, in their income until they come up to their annual time frame. Um, previously, they would have to come in within 10 days of any kind of income change. Oh. Uh, you know, that's quite frankly a nightmare for, yeah. the, for the client <laughs> and as well as, as for our administrative staff um, to, to re calculate every single one of those, those changes. Things. Yeah, those changes. Yeah, yeah, well that's certainly, I mean, if I'm thinking about that, that's a, a wonderful way to maybe give families the time to adjust uh, to economic changes and hopefully build and strengthen their own personal finances. Absolutely. Uh, and as part of the rent assistance structure, I think another thing maybe people in the community have heard about but don't understand, the, the Community Development Authority, or, or the CDA. Mm -hmm. As I understand it, they provide most of the oversight for that for that program and that process. Could you tell us a little more about the CDA and, and where residents could learn more about that? Sure. So the CDA meets every third Wednesday um, throughout the year, unless for some reason we would cancel if we had nothing on the agenda, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but our CDA, our Community Development Authority, is um, the policy board that governs how we use our federal dollars. Okay. So federal dollars... Um, come with a lot of rules, yeah. as you can imagine. <laughs> um, but there are certain aspects that we are allowed to administer locally. Um, so we have things um, like the, the rental assistance administrative plan that while we work under that um, umbrella of the federal guideline, 
how we do it is mm -hmm. something that we do locally. So anytime we have a change, the CDA approves those changes to that plan as well as to our state and federal grant programs. Um, yeah, so certainly community control over that and, and making sure the community has a directive and a voice in, in that process is important. And that's the CDA's role. Right. It's a board of, of seven. Um, we have yeah. two council members. We like to have um, a participant on our CDA. Mm -hmm. So either someone who has participated in a rental assistance program or somebody who has participated in a down payment and closing cost, for example. So we'd like to have um, someone who's actually used our products yeah. and our services. Get that real feedback right. from them. Yeah. And just to wrap that up, uh, how exactly maybe do residents qualify for rent assistance and, and where can the community learn more about that? So right now our waiting list is closed for mm -hmm. rental assistance. However, we do anticipate in the beginning of 2022, right. um, you and I have been working on an <laughs> online form, um, we will be reopening that uh, wait list. So in the past, it's been a large-scale event, a lot of people in one room at a time. Obviously, that's not something that would be reasonable or responsible at this point. Mm -hmm. um, so we've changed our waitlist opening a little bit. Um, and that's one of the things that the CDA has approved recently. Um, we are going to have the ability to apply online. Mm -hmm. So they would go to the City of Janesville's website, apply for rental assistance there. Um, we do... A, initial application that establishes a waitlist for us and then once that waitlist is established um, we will do a essentially a random draw or a lottery draw off yeah. of that waitlist um, then all of those applicants will be invited in to do a much longer application process that's when we take a look at their income we take a look at their background check um, and then if they qualify then we will move them forward in the rent assistance process Wonderful. Exciting, and that's certainly coming up a, will be a big deal yes. uh, for folks, so that's very exciting. And That rent assistance program is just one kind of form of housing assistance available to folks in our community, but you work with a lot of, of partners, I know, and maybe what other resources are there for folks if they're in the community looking for that safe and affordable housing? As we all know, housing is really difficult to yes. find right now. And so um, what we've done in our office is we've established some relationships with some landlords. Um, if someone is looking for affordable housing, we have a list of, of those landlords who we've worked with. Mm -hmm. um, certainly not an all-inclusive list of anyone who's got affordable um, housing prices here in town. Um, but it's at least a start. Yeah. Um, so we work with those folks. If someone's looking looking for, say, security deposit assistance. Mm -hmm. We can make re referrals um, to ECHO for those security deposit assistance. Yeah, yeah. So certainly options and a great point to start off would be your office right. for folks if they have questions on that. And Absolutely. Outside of then the rent assistance component, I know the division offers support that you maybe had alluded to to promote home ownership, such mm -hmm. as down payment assistance or home improvement assistance. Could you tell us a little more about those programs? Yeah, we have a couple of really great programs. Um, our down payment assistance, down payment closing cost, we've actually rebranded that a little bit. It's now called Home Possible Janesville. Um, it is a down payment and closing cost assistance in the amount of t up to $10,000. Wow. Yeah, that has just changed as of 2022. The city council approved that um, as part of the budget. Um, so those who qual income qualify mm -hmm. and have found a home, 
there are thresholds um, for maximum home yeah. value, um, and that's based on federal regulation. As of right now, it's $170,000. That changes on an annual basis based on um, average home costs and sales prices. Um, but up to $10,000 for down payment and closing cost assistance, that is forgiven over a period of five years. Yeah. Um, so as long as the individual maintains the home and stays in it, it's forgiven over that five-year time frame. That's wonderful. Um, secondarily, we have a home improvement program. That home improvement program is up to $50,000 um, to make home improvements mm -hmm. um, based on the equity in the home. Right. Um, it is, there's no payments due on that until the time of sale. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And that's, I mean, when we think about home ownership, I know many viewers or people in the community can think about the positive impact maybe home ownership has had on their life or their family's life. Uh, but why would you say encouraging home ownership to everyone in the community is, is so crucial for Janesville? Um, as you said, um, it's important to family. Yes. Yeah. Historically, that is how families have built wealth in this country. Right. And home ownership and real estate ownership is a first step in that. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for us um, to help serve those populations who maybe have not been able to purchase a home in the past. Right. Um, and so it's, it's really our goal to help serve those populations in that home ownership piece so yeah. that they can start to build that wealth as well for their family. Extending, extending those opportunities to maybe people or groups of people that haven't been afforded that, that important thing. Because we do know that that equity, that, that's how you really start to build wealth for your family. So, Absolutely. So important. And with that in mind, I know the Housing Services Division partners with nonprofits quite often mm -hmm. to create housing, uh, affordable housing units, and, and to some success. I mean, viewers might be familiar with the new River Flats complex in downtown, uh -huh. uh, but you also kind of extend that to rehabilitating smaller developments and single-family homes. How do, how do those partnerships work? So we've partnered with several um, nonprofits over mm -hmm. the years. Um, most impactful probably has been the Wisconsin Partnership for Housing Development. Um, we've been working with them since 2010 um, to rehabilitate homes, build new construction homes, all with the goal of then selling those for income, lower income and income qualified individuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and talking about developing housing, the division also has, I think, a tax foreclosure a housing rehabilitation program. And that's a really neat transformative initiative, I think, because you take tax delinquent properties and essentially rehabilitate, rehabilitate them into safe, affordable housing and then offer them to income eligible buyers. Uh, could you tell us more about maybe that, how long that's been going? Sure, um, that also has been about 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. Over the last couple of years, because of the pandemic, the county has not sh uh, chose to foreclose on properties. Right. So we've had a little bit of a pause um, on that program. But what the program looks like is after a um, property is tax delinquent for a period of four years, the county will foreclose in that fifth year. Mm -hmm. um, when they foreclose, they give the city of Janesville the first opportunity to purchase those properties because there's property tax owing to the city of Janesville. Yeah. So we're a you know, kind of a partner in that loss. Um, we go through their list. We go out and take a look at the properties. We can only see them from the exterior. Mm -hmm. um, we can't tour the insides. <laughs> um, so we, we come up with a game plan for each of the properties to see 
you know, maybe this one looks like it could be a rehab. Maybe this one is something that we would partner with someone to do the rehab. So it, they take all forms. Um, we have done some of our own where we yeah. have um, done the rehab piece ourselves. We have worked with Wisconsin Partnership for Housing Development to do that rehab piece. And unfortunately, sometimes we have to demolish the properties. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, if they've sat for a period of years um, in a foreclosed state and no one's living there, um, they, they tend to be in poor shape. Right. Um, but what we do is if we do a demo on those houses, if we demolish the property, we then turn that lot into a new construction site. Mm -hmm. So we will take that lot and we will work with Wisconsin um, Partnership for Housing Development to do a new construction. All of our new constructions um, must fit the character of the neighborhood. Clearly, we're not going to have the exact same architecture if we're yeah. in an older area of town, but at least the character is important to us to maintain. Yeah, and I mean, talking about taking something that's so often a, a negative and a, and a bad experience like tax foreclosure and really transforming that into a positive, a net gain for the community and certainly housing a, a family uh, from that, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's really rewarding, and, and I think when we think about partnerships like that and many of the programs you folks offer, as we talked about, are administered through funding from partners like the state and the federal government. That can often come with its own nuances or challenges. You talked about rules, regulations. How do you ensure a, a positive working relationship with our partners at the state and the federal government? You know, really it's just about communication mm -hmm. um, and that relationship building with them. Each of our programs has a, a representative that we specifically work with, and it's it's just reaching out to them. If we've got a question, it's much better to ask that permission and, and get Certainly. some clarification before we move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think then to kind of shift lanes a bit then, Kelly, talking about another facet of housing, uh, we talked a little bit about property maintenance, and that's a significant priority of the division uh, because safe and sanitary housing is not only important to the individual, but to Janesville as a whole. Who in your division works on property maintenance issues? So within our division, we have three property maintenance inspectors. Mm -hmm. um, one primarily responds to um, housing complaints. Oftentimes that would be a um, tenant of a rental property who has not been able to get repairs done by a landlord. Right. Um, and so that individual goes out and does inspections. Um, our second property maintenance inspector um, does mostly nuisance items. Okay. So things like trash and debris, if you see a couch in a front yard yep. or um, junk cars. Um, he also does a lot of the zoning issues. Mm -hmm. So we do see oftentimes where someone begins to run a business out of their home and then it, it becomes much more than what a neighborhood normally looks like. Yeah. Um, so he will, he will work with the zoning regulations on that. And then our third inspector is actually funded by uh, federal grant dollars, and she um, does proactive inspections. Okay. So she focuses on some of our more dense neighborhoods mm -hmm. um, and does proactive inspections, meaning she goes out and writes things up before a neighbor is so irritated by it that yeah. they call us, <laughs> and so hopefully she gets it taken care of before that. That's certainly important. Mm -hmm. Say if a, a viewer maybe has a property maintenance concern or a housing complaint, how would they go about uh, raising that with the city? What does that process entail? Sure. So my first suggestion is contact us, mm -hmm. call us, 
email us, uh, file an online complaint before you get so frustrated that you want to pull your hair out. Right. You know, just give us a call. We can take care of it. We can walk through what that process looks like with an individual. If they want us to start the process right then or if, you know, they want to have a conversation with their neighbor first. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we would send an inspector out to take a look um, and make sure that it is indeed a violation. There are things that are not violations that aren't pretty. Right. um, But it needs to rise to the level of a violation. We then... um, send an order to correct to the property owner. So the property owner has some time to take care of that. Um, In the event that the property owner either chooses not to take care of it or, you know, perhaps is is an absentee landlord and doesn't take care of their properties very well, Mm -hmm. the city will ultimately, in the end, take care of most of those issues, and then we bill back the property owner. Yeah, certainly an interesting process, but always start off with a with a call or an email to you folks to get that ball rolling before anything can build up into into something bigger but outside of maybe city staff then are you aware of any other resources available to to tenants maybe who are perhaps encountering a property issue or an issue with a landlord would really depend on what the issue would be but yes absolutely um if it's, for example, <clears throat> a tenant-landlord uh, issue that deals with eviction, mm-hmm. we would certainly refer those folks to legal action. Okay. If it's someone who's behind on their rent, um, we have a couple local not-for-profits that are working on, on those issues right now, um, primarily uh, community action. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a large sum of... Um, emergency rent dollars, yeah. but also secondarily, ECHO. ECHO is, is always one of our first referrals for any of our clients um, because they have such a robust program. Um, it's food, it's rent assistance, it's uh, motel vouchers. We fund them for a, a large amount of motel vouchers right now. Yeah. So we always have someone to refer. Someone to, and that's so important because when we talk about housing and a community effort, we're so grateful for those partners who are able to amplify our work and really reach everyone in a way that we couldn't do just on our own. And so that's awesome right. to hear that those partners continue to do good work. And talking about housing uh, and access issues, I think maybe our viewers might be familiar with the Fair Housing Act, probably kind of the most well-known overarching laws that protect people in our country from housing discrimination. Could you provide the community maybe with a a more nuanced overview of of fair housing laws and what protections are in place for folks? Sure. So fair housing is really important um, for all of us in in our housing um, division. And, you know, specifically all of our... um, federal dollars mm-hmm. come with a caveat that we must do fair housing. Right. Um, so fair housing is essentially the protection of individuals um, under any of the protected classes um, with regard to housing. So it can be a landlord, it can be a lender, it can be um, homeowner's insurance. Um, all of those individuals who are have decision-making ability for someone's housing um, are bound by the fair housing law. Um, It's important to us in our our office because we want to make sure that everyone has the same opportunity um, for decent, safe, sanitary fair Mm -hmm. housing. Yeah, that's it's so important and critical 
because we're a community of choice, but we certainly want to be a community of choice for all. And some, and then, uh, Janesville truly succeeds uh, when we do uh, represent everyone and, and we welcome everyone. And some of those protections, I think, that you talk about, they may exist at the federal level, they may exist at the state level, but I also understand they can exist uh, at the local level in Janesville. I know, for example, gender identity, while not a protected uh, class under federal or state law, is in fact protected by the city of Janesville through our local ordinance. Why is it so critical that we extend those protections maybe further than the scope of the federal or state laws? Yeah, so we, in addition to federal and state protected classes, the city of Janesville also protects, like you said, um, gender identity and gender expression. Mm -hmm. um, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said when we talk about being the community of choice, that means for everyone. Right. And it's important to us, and we in Housing Services live by that. Yeah. And we want to make sure that if someone is being discriminated against, that we're there as a resource to step up. Yeah, and again, crucial as, as we work to, to be that community of choice for all. And if a resident maybe feels like they have been discriminated against regarding housing or just wants to talk about a situation further, mm -hmm. uh, again, where, where would they raise that complaint and what is that process like? So I'm the city's fair housing officer, so okay. they would just call me. Call me, email me, same thing. Um, I like to sit down with someone and go through, because fair housing, it's, it's a complicated animal. It, it is. really is. Um, there's a lot of, similar to what I said about property maintenance, just because something looks ugly doesn't yep. necessarily mean that it's a violation. So um, that's what I ask is that people give me a call. Um, we can we can talk through what those different roads that we can take for enforcement look like. Um, it could be as simple as me giving a call to a property manager because there's an education piece mm -hmm. that needs to be done as well. There's a lot of folks who um, are renting properties and maybe aren't familiar with the fair housing law. Right. So it may just take a phone call from me. Um, there are other times where it takes us filing a complaint with HUD. Mm -hmm. and we can help an individual through those forms that HUD requires. Yeah, yeah, well, awesome, and, and again, a great resource that I would encourage folks to use if they do have questions about it, um, because you're more than willing and happy, mm -hmm. I think, to, to work with them. And I think that probably just about does it for us today, Kelly, but before we go, I, I just give you the chance to maybe highlight anything else you'd like or, or discuss anything further. Um, you know, I think we got through a lot of what I wanted to talk about. Um, but again, you know, this our division stands ready to assist. Mm -hmm. If there's anything housing related, even if it's something that we don't do in our division, I would bet 10 to 1 that we would be able to find yep. that agency that does. Yeah, you certainly do. And, and your whole team is just, just wonderful about that. And I want to thank you for stopping by the program, uh, but not only that, uh, I would extend the, the thanks to everything uh, you and your staff are doing to ensure that safe, sanitary, and affordable housing um, is available in our community for everyone. And thinking about the colder weather and, and the COVID-19 pandemic, I think the division's work uh, is truly critical in, in building a safe and healthy Janesville for everyone. Uh, the impact that you folks make in the lives of your clients and your residents you work with uh, is significant, but also it strengthens our neighborhoods 
uh, and, and builds our community as a whole. So thank you. Sure, thank you. I also want to thank you, our viewers and residents, for tuning in today and for all you do to help make Janesville a community of choice to realize life's opportunities. Last year, we introduced a new segment on this program, Park Place Inquires, an opportunity for community members like yourself to submit questions for city staff to answer right here on this program. This month's question comes from Blake G, who asks, how does the city go about plowing roads, and how do they decide what streets get plowed and when? That's a great question, Blake. With wintertime upon us and snow and ice bound to return sooner or later to our streets, it's important to review how the Operations Division goes about plowing our roads. The City's Operations Division is committed to providing the City with safe and reliable roadways before, during, and after winter weather events. A full plow operation will begin after snow accumulation has ended for storms that produce a minimum of 2 to 3 inches of snow. Plowing operations may begin before the snowfall, snowfall has subsided if exceptional conditions are warranted. All city streets are plowed as close to the curb as possible. The primary goal of a full plowing operation is to have city streets cleared of snow and ice and to achieve a bare pavement on arterial roads within 24 hours of a storm's completion. Snow removal is performed on all city streets and alleys with the following priority. First, the operations division will plow arterial streets, followed by collector streets, before going to residential streets and finishing with alleys and public parking lots. If conditions warranted, a snow emergency will be declared as much in advance as possible so that vehicles are removed from the roadways. For more information on snow emergencies or to learn how to be notified for the next snow emergency declaration, please visit www.janesvillewi.gov forward slash snow. And if you're like Blake and have an inquiry you want to have answered right here on this program, please submit it to us by emailing cojmedia at ci.janesville.wi.us. While your question may not be selected as the one featured on the next episode, city staff will certainly be happy to answer it for you. I also invite you to stay connected with the city by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, signing up for emergency notifications from the JPD via the Nixle app, and receiving our weekly city press releases by visiting www.janesvillewi.gov forward slash email list. I also want to encourage you to tune into next month's program when I sit down with Utility Director Dave Bott and learn more about our city's water and wastewater utilities and all the work they do to keep our faucets running and our toilets flushing. For the Park Place Podcast in the city of Janesville, I'm Nick Faust. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again next month.